Matthew chapter 25. And when you find your place, say amen. amen. All right, if you would please stand out of reverence, out of respect to God's word. Matthew 25, verse number 46. And I'll say this before I get started, I'm not a great Bible scholar. Amen. And as I give you the context, if I give it to you wrong and I look it back up later, amen, I'll, I'll tell you, amen, but I hope I got it right this morning. Matthew 25, verse number 46, the Bible says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Let that sink in just for a second. Everlasting punishment. The Bible says, But the righteous unto life... Eternal. We've heard all the songs sung this morning about a place where the Savior is going. We're going to live forever and ever and ever. But the Bible is talking about the lost in the first part of this verse, and this is what it said. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Let's pray. Your Lord, most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, God, and I just want to thank you so much, Lord, for the songs been sung. God, testimonies, dear God, we've heard this morning, uh, Father, uh, folks know where they're going, and God, we're grateful for that. Uh, Father, we pray this morning, Lord, for that one may be lost this morning. God, we pray, Father, that you would just take hold, and God, it doesn't really matter for a church member or, or whatever it is, God, it could be anybody, but Father, we pray this morning, God, God, earnestly, as earnest as we know how, as humble as we know how, God, that you would just move in a mighty way. God, you've placed this message upon my heart for a reason and a purpose. And God, we pray that your purpose would be accomplished here this morning. Father, we pray that you'd hide me behind the cross. Father God, we pray that your name would be lifted up. And Father God, we pray that souls would be lifted out of the pits of hell this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach on this thought. I've looked for something else to preach all week. All week long this thought has come to my mind. And I want to preach this morning on the everlasting punishment of a place called hell. The everlasting punishment of a place called hell. You know, we talk about heaven and we uh, rejoice about heaven and how that heaven is real. But friend, there's another place this morning, right underneath the atmosphere this morning, and it is real, and it is hot, and it is burning this morning, and it is a place called hell. It's very real. Yeah, my friend, by way of introduction this morning, before we get in the message, I'm going to calm my nerves this morning, if you will. But I want to say a few things about this wonderful book of Matthew this morning. So in this wonderful book of Matthew, we have many great things that are seen in the Word of God. You know, it's in the book of Matthew this morning that we see the proclamation, uh, something is proclaimed. And what is proclaimed is that of the proclamation of a king. And friend, that king this morning that I'm talking about is the king with a capital K. Hey, I didn't come to talk about Elvis this morning. I come to talk about the king, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, friend. In the book of Matthew, we see this morning that the king here is Jesus Christ. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Friend, even though some 2,000 years ago, they hung our king on an old rugged cross. Jesus Christ is coming back one of these days. And Lord, Lord God, He's going to come and get His 
Christ. And if you're saved and born again, we all ought to say Amen. And we all ought to rejoice this morning because one of these days, friend, in the twinkling of an eye, you know how fast that is? Twinkling of an eye, friend. We're gone. Hallelujah. But friend, if you're all sitting here this morning, you're going to be left behind. Listen to me. After the great rain is over, uh, Jesus Christ was hung on a cross. And friend, He died the most awful death. But He's going to come back and He's going to rain. And when the rain is over, there's going to be a new heaven. And there's going to be a new earth. And all of us that are saved and born again, all of us that's been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be in that new heaven and that new earth you glad for the day when Satan takes a seat and Jesus Christ it reigns and rules forever and he'll be the lad of our home. Hallelujah. Friend, the song, what a day that will be. We'll no longer be looking forward to a time that we're going to have. Hallelujah. Friend, we'll be singing and by Jesus that I see. Hey, friend, we won't have to sing about seeing because we will sing. Hallelujah, friend. He'll take our hand walk us through the promised land. Friend, I'm glad that in the book of Matthew, uh, we move from a place of judgment and we come to a book that has a lot to do with grace. Friend, I'm telling you, if not for the grace of God this morning, I'd be on my way to a devil's hand. If not by grace, Friend, that's exactly where I would have ended up. I'd be on my way to a devil's hell. If not for the grace of God this morning, I'd be just getting exactly what I deserve this morning. But friend, because of the grace and the kindness of God, I don't have to go to that place. If you're here and you're lost without God this morning, hear me well. This morning I've got news for you. You don't have to stay lost. You can be found this morning by the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Here in the wonderful book of Matthew, we see a place called hell, which I just read to you about. But hallelujah to God, we also see the proclamation of a king with a capital K who can take you right out of hell this morning and place you on your way to heaven. Hallelujah, that's Him. Friend, it's in this wonderful book of Matthew that we see not only the proclamation of the king, but we see the power of the king. Now listen to this. Our King is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And He has more power than that of a car with 1,000 horses. And that's a lot of power. Amen. I might get behind one of them. I might not get drunk. But I'm telling you, Jesus Christ has more power than that. Jesus Christ has more, as much power as our president has. And I'm not that's the president. I think God is there. But then I'm telling you this morning, He's got more power than the president. He's got more power than the ones who watch over the president. He's got more power power than any uh, uh, any religion or any cold or any sect or anything in the world. He's got all the power to save sinners right out of here. Now there ain't nobody else can do that. Friend, here is my complete favorite part about the power of God. It's more powerful than the devil and all of his angels put together this morning. Hey friend, I'm glad this morning the day that you get saved you'll have the power of God just like old Timothy did every step of the way. Friend, what that means is that when a person gets saved and when a person gets born again they get all the goods of salvation. Hey, you go to McDonald's and you get your happy meal and our little girl, she loves it because she says, I get all the goods. She said, does it have a toy in it? 
I said, yeah, honey, it's got a toy in it. She said, did you get me apple slices? I said, yes, I did. We're going to get to heaven. We're going to get all the benefits. Hey, we're going to get loaded down. Hey, friend, listen, ain't you glad? We're going to a place where we'll have it all. Hallelujah. Inside each and every one of us sitting here this morning, though, is what is called a soul. I've said this before, but I got good attention this morning. I'll say it again. It's known as a soul. Now, if that soul never gets saved, that soul is what makes you free. It's what makes you live. Uh, this stuff that you're looking at this morning is just a big ball of flesh. So after this life, your soul, that thing that makes you live, that thing that gives you life, it's going to live forever. It's going to live forever. Now, I sure am glad this morning that I, that I know the one this morning who has power over me. Who's that? King of kings and Lord of lords. The Lord Jesus Christ. Hear me with So your soul is going to live in one or two places. Now your flesh will fall off. This stuff you're looking at, it'll fall off one of these days. But your soul will end up in one or two places. It'll either end up in heaven or it'll either end up in hell. Amen. Thank you for the attention this morning. Friend, in this wonderful book of Matthew, we see the proclamation of a king. We see the power of the king. But we see the progressive rejection of the king. said that before, but in a different way. But friend, if you're sitting here and you're lost without God this morning, the power of a king to raise you from hell, death and the grave has been told you this morning. Friend, the power of a king who humbled, who humbled a, a Calvary's hill for you, who died for you so you could be saved, has been presented to you. And friend, the power of a king has been told to you. And that king is our great God in heaven, but he's got enough power to keep you out of hell this morning. And he's the only king this morning that has enough power to save you out of the very pits of hell. But friend, I'm telling you this morning, you can run to him and Jesus Christ can save you. But friend, if you're here, you're lost. Hey, I'm not past begging this morning. I'm begging you're lost, friend. I bid you run to Jesus and flee to him. Friend, listen. We're living in a day and in a society, as the brother Dunn said this morning, that people don't fear God. They have no fear of God, no care for God, and no care for their own soul. They're out there. And every sin that they're committing is damning them to hell. But friend, I'm telling you this morning, there's one sin that will keep you in hell. Unbelief. Unbelief will keep you in, out of heaven and into hell. Unbelief. Mm. Friend, I love the book of Matthew. But I do want to look at our context before we get started. If we're going to learn and find out about what's going on in our context, uh, we're going to back up just a hair. Let's read uh, verse 31 verse 32. Look at this. Here in verse 31 and 32, the Bible says this. The Bible said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon His throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them from one another, as a shepherd divided, as a shepherd divided His sheep from the goats. Now, here in the context of our Scripture this morning, uh, we see what is known as the judgment of the nations. Now, uh, what a sad day that will be for those nations who reject 
rejected the Lord Jesus Christ and who rejected God and who rejected Israel. Now in these verses we see Jesus Christ will be up on the throne. Amen. And we see that He's going to separate the nations as a shepherd divides the goats from the sheep. Now listen, the Bible said in verse 33, And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Now, this does not mean that every member of one nation will be among the sheep. It does not mean this morning that every nation uh, or one nation will be goats. But friend, it, it means that God will separate His true followers from the hypocrites and from the believers in those days. God is going to separate them. But now, the time of this is the tribulation period. Now, He'll set the rejectors of Israel apart from the ones who did not accept Israel. Now, as far as I can tell this morning, that means that all the people who did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, all the people who went against Israel, and all the people who went against God in the tribulation period will uh, be separated at this time, and the ones who were known as the sheep will be the ones this morning who have lived for the Lord Jesus Christ through that tribulation period. And the ones who are goats this morning will be on the left side of the Lord Jesus Christ, and those will be the ones who did not live for Christ during that period of time. Now, there will be 144,000 Jews in those days. We know that. And they will be left behind during the tribulation period time. Uh, and what they'll be doing is they're going to teach and preach Jesus Christ in those times. Now, yeah, stay with me now. Uh, they're going to preach to the lost during that time. Now, the Holy Spirit will not be there uh, in the tribulation period. Amen. So what's going to happen is it's going to be even harder for folks to get saved and born again. But they can. And I think it'll be harder because the Holy Spirit won't be there. And I don't think there'll be many who get saved because if they're saved in those days, they'll be killed for even naming the name of Christ. Now listen, there'll be those who are saved in those days. They'll be judged on how well they treated the Jews in those days. Those people will stand before God and they'll be judged. Now, while I'm also talking about this, the ones who have even an ounce of hope of getting saved during the tribulation period are people that have never heard the gospel. If you have heard the gospel and you go to the tribulation period, there is no hope for you. There's no hope. This will be people that have not heard, and there won't be many, I'm sure, get saved during that day. But friend, we see in this chapter the judgment of the nations. And I'm not dealing with the context a whole lot. That's why I'm giving you the context. But we see those who accept Christ. We see those who reject Christ. And then we'll see what happens to those sheep who are the ones who accepted Christ. Jesus Christ will be pleased with them. But then we see the ones who are the goats. That's where I want to get at. Uh, the ones who are the goats this morning reject Christ. They reject His message. And we see what happens. Now, when dealing with the ones who rejected Christ, the Bible said this. The Bible said in verses uh, 41 through 46. Read this. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, in an everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. The Bible said, For I was in hunger, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer thee, I'm saying, 
saying, Verily I say to you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, that's the children of Israel, the Bible said, You did it not to me. The Bible said, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Now, the goats which are mentioned here in the Word of God are those who rejected the message of Jesus Christ during the tribulation period. You say, Preacher, what does this have to do with me? Hold on, I'm getting there. Though the place in which those people went is the same place into which all the people of our day will go as well if they reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here and you're lost this morning, the worst thing that you could ever do in your life is when God knocks on your heart and when God tells you to be saved, the worst thing you can do is walk out of the church doors, lost without God, and overwhelm Him. If you die and go to hell, you will go to the place that's mentioned here in the Word of God. You will die and you will go, your soul will go to a place of everlasting punishment. With that awful thought in my mind this morning, I want to preach on the thought, the everlasting punishment of a place called hell. I want to borrow your minds this morning. And let's just take a little journey to that place. Before I preach on this thought, though, I want to give you a couple of definitions found in the Word of God. The first word that I see in our text is I see this word everlasting. What exactly does the word everlasting mean? Well, the word everlasting means lasting or enduring forever. It means eternal, existing or continuing without end. The word everlasting also means indefinitely. That word indefinitely means without any settled limitation. What that means this morning is that if you die and you die lost without Christ and you die and go to hell, that means that hell will last forever. It means this morning that hell will not ever, ever, ever end. It means that if you don't get saved, hell is where you will spend the rest of your life forever and ever and ever. You'll never be able to get out of hell. Friend, I'm telling you the importance this morning of just what it means to get saved. It's important. It's not something to play around with. Friend, we've looked at the word everlasting. But now let's look at the word punishment. That word punishment means any pain or suffering inflicted on a person for a crime or offense. Now, the crime this morning in which we all have this morning. There's a crime. Everybody all over the world has the crime. Amen. What is the crime? Uh, a lot of people don't want to admit it, but the crime this morning is that we are nothing but a bunch of sinners. Amen. There is nothing we can do about it. There is nothing that can help us out of it except one Lord Jesus Christ. But there is nothing that we can do about it. We are sinners. Now, the difference is there are saved sinners. There are those who have gotten saved once the blood of Lord Jesus Christ. And there's lost sinners. A saved sinner is going to heaven. A lost sinner is going to hell. You say, preacher, what's the worst thing I could ever do in my life? Die lost. That's it. 
Friend, if you're here and if you're lost, if you die and you never get saved, you'll go to the place where you'll have to pay for every little lie you've ever told. You'll pay for every little wrong you ever did. Well, preacher, how, how, does, how does God know about that? God knows everything about you. He knows the hairs number on your head. He knows how many's there. Friend, I'm telling you, every wrong you've done, confess or unconfess, God knows. Now, you might get forgiven by somebody in your family. You might get forgiven by somebody uh, that's your friend. You might get forgiven by somebody else. But their forgiveness will not take you to heaven. Only one man, Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, confess your sin to Him. Amen. Each and every one of us that are sitting have a song. That soul will live forever and ever. And whether your soul is in heaven or hell depends on whether you die lost or whether you die saved. Friend, I hope this morning that everybody in this building has been saved and born again. But if you're not, I want you to know this morning, if you die lost and you can die tomorrow, you understand that. How important it is to know this. There's a lot of folks in our world think, I'm going to live forever. No, you ain't. Your soul will. But it's going to be in heaven or it's going to be in hell. So if you go home and as you're driving home down the road and you get in a car accident, I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to tell you the truth. If you go down the road and you get in a car ready and let's say your flesh dies, well, it's too late, you're not saying. But preacher, I'll live forever. Life's short. Days are a few full of trouble. Listen, with those thoughts in our minds, I want to preach on three thoughts the Lord's given me. We'll go to the house. Number one, I want to preach on this thought, the punishments that are everlasting. I cannot hit on every punishment in hell this morning would be here all day. But I want to hit on a few. Number two, the trueness of that everlasting punishment. Preacher, what makes it true in hell? I'm going to tell you. Number three this morning, the trueness that cannot be argued. Now let's begin. Look, number one, at the punishments that are everlasting. Friend, as I said a moment ago, the word everlasting means forever and ever without any end. And friend, if you wind up in hell, you will be in everlasting punishment for the rest of your entire life. Friend, as I said at the beginning of the message, we know that man has a soul. We've established that that will last forever and ever. We said on Wednesday night, you don't come back as an animal. You don't go down to purgatory. You go to heaven or you go to hell. Friend, there are two places you'll go. That's heaven and hell, like I said. But friend, the place that the saved will go is called heaven and where the lost will go, it's called hell. Now in knowing that a man has a soul this morning, if that soul dies without getting saved, that soul goes down, down, down to hell. Now in hell, that soul will suffer the punishment and the torment and the awfulness of that place forever and ever. And the reason that is this morning is because that's the way the devil's punishment for you is. The Bible said in John 18 44. Now listen to this. Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. 
and abode not in the truth, because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he's a liar and the father of it. The Bible said in John 18 and 44, and the Bible's dealing with the children of Israel there, as I just said, and how he deals with them and how they're murderers. Now you gotta think about this. The Bible said in Romans 3 and 19. Now we know that what things under the law saith, it saith them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Nobody likes that word, guilty. But friend, I'm telling you this morning, we are all guilty. Guilty of what, preacher? Murder. Bear with me in your minds. Not only are we all guilty before God in breaking the law, the Ten Commandments, we can't keep them. But friend, we're all guilty as well because all of us hung Jesus on the old rugged cross. We were not physically there. But friend, when Jesus Christ was hanging on the cross, why do you think He was hanging there in the first place? For you and for me so that we could be saved. Friend, listen, we're all guilty. Friend, Jesus Christ was on that cross that day because He was hanging there for the sin that I committed. And He was hanging there that day for the sin that you committed. And He died for us so that we wouldn't have to die. Friend, listen, Jesus Christ died so we could live. But if you die lost, friend, you will have done just exactly what the devil had wanted you to do. You know what the devil wants this morning? He wants you to sit in a church pew in a church house and never ever make a move toward God. Friend, listen, He wants the world out there to live for Him. And friend, never Never make a move toward trusting Christ as their Savior. He gets in your mind, plays with your head, and He wants you to stay there and not get saved. And the whole time, Christ is knocking. Would you let me in? I died for you. Would you let me in? Friend, there is such a being in our day in which we call the devil. Let's just get right down to it. We can see the words of the devil that are going on in our day. Friend, we can see people being murdered. We can see people being robbed out on the street. We can see in our day sin all over the land. So when the Word of God speaks to the devil, and when the Word of God speaks to the awful place that he's in, and the awful place that he's going to live forever and ever one of these days, the Bible's not speaking of a fairy tale this morning. The Bible's telling you the truth. Listen, there is such a being in our day. His name is Satan. We call him the devil. There once was a time when he was an angel. But this old angel decided he was going to go against God. He was cast out of heaven because of his pride. He said, I'm going to be God. He said, I, I'm going to. He rose up in his pride. And friend, ever since the devil was cast out of heaven, listen to me, the devil has been permitted to walk around in spiritual wickedness and bring spiritual darkness over the land. And he now walks to and fro throughout the earth. Friend, he can be walking down the aisle and up the aisle this morning, walking to keep that one in Jude 1 verses 5 through 6. I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this. How that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt afterward destroyed them that believed not. 
The Bible said the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he had preserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Hear me well. God destroyed the ones who believed not. And He cast them and those angels into everlasting chains under darkness until the time that they will get out to be judged to be thrown in the lake of fire. I guess the only time you get out is to be thrown in the lake of fire where you'll be for the rest of your life the second death. But friend, if you're sitting here lost without God, if you die lost, one of the first torments that I see this morning, one of the first punishments that you're going to find yourself in is that you would be in everlasting chains under darkness. Never saw that before. Hell is a place where you'll be bound forever and ever. Think about it. Satan's going to be bound in the lake of fire forever and ever. The Antichrist is going to be bound in the lake of fire forever and ever. Our God is a just God. So what makes you think that you won't be cast into hell if you're not lost, bound in chains for the rest of your life? Hell be dark. And there'll be chains for the rest of your life. That don't sound very fun, does it? Me and my wife was talking last night. And I told her about the chains. I did. And you know what she said? She said, could you imagine not being having an itch and not being able to scratch it? That'll drive me crazy. She said, could you imagine the sweat running down your face because of the fire, it's going to be so hot. You're not even able to wipe the sweat from your eyes. You know what happens when sweat into your eyes? It burns. Friend, for the rest of your life, you'll be in hell where it's dark, bound by chains, never to be released. Friend, I picture a man who's just been sentenced with the sentence of murder. And he's going to be locked up for the rest of his life. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? I mean, both would be bad. The crime and the sentence. But friend, as bad as that would be, hell's going to be much more awful. Hell's going to be much more painful than that. It'll be a place of no escape. It'll be a place this morning where your hands will be in chains, possibly behind your back. You'll be bound. And friend, the darkness of hell will be so bad, you'll be able to feel darkness. You ever felt darkness? Sometimes when it's late at night, Early up in the morning, I'll go outside. I can feel the darkness. Not an animal stirring. Nobody's awake. It's quiet. I can feel it. Could you feel the darkness going on beneath our very feet this morning? It's quiet. Sound. People are screaming out there alone. I don't know if you can hear them or not. But friends, it is dark. So dark. How dark it is. I feel it this morning. Listen, friend. I believe that's exactly what it's going to be like in hell. Listen to me. Everywhere you look, you'll be surrounded by darkness. You couldn't feel any walls or any room to escape. You know, even a prisoner. I think that when they get down there, they probably think, how can I get out of here? There'll be no escape in the torment. There'll be no 
escaping the pain. There'll be no escaping the agony. Never to break the chains. Friend, this ain't just for the people of the Old Testament. This ain't just for wicked angels. If you die lost without God, if you go to hell, this will be for you. The Bible said this in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 4-6. through 6. Now get a hold of this. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person. Now what did, what did God do to those wicked people? He caused the flood to come upon the land. See, God judges sin. Amen. The Bible said, But Satan, oh, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world and the ungodly. See, Noah was a man who was righteous in the sight of God. He got into an ark, that ark, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved from the flood. I'm telling all those folks in that as they were scratching on that ark, saying, let me in, let me in. They died and they were but Noah was saved in the ark. Preacher of righteousness, he was saved. Listen to this. The man who said, bringing in the flood upon the world, the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow. See, everybody wants to hear God's love. But he's also just, friend. He's also just. Sodom and Gomorrah was a wicked place. And he burned them into ashes. Wow. Friend, listen. The Bible said, uh, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an own sample. What does that mean? Making them an example. Wow. Unto those that after shall live ungodly. What was Christ doing when he burned up all those cities? What was Christ doing when he killed all those people with the flood? Paul's you showing you what happens. If you die lost without God, showing the world, trying to get their attention. Friend, the very reason God threw those wicked angels into everlasting chains and darkness, the reason He drowned those folks and burned those cities is because He was leaving them for an example for the lost in our days and for the people who live ungodly and for those that never get saved. Friend, if you die lost without God, without Jesus Christ, if you never ask Christ to save you, if you never ask when God deals with you, if you never ask, then you'll suffer the everlasting chains and you will suffer in the everlasting darkness. But that's not all. That's not all. The Bible said in Matthew 25 and 41, Then shall I say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, in the everlasting fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. There were everlasting chains. There were everlasting darkness. There's everlasting fire. Brother well, Allen, have you ever pulled somebody out of a fire? You ever seen somebody pulled out of a fire? Pretty bad. I'm telling you, friend. An old boy got burnt in fire. His face would be like that for the rest of his life. It's a good old boy. friend of mine. I love him to death. Wouldn't take none for him in the world. But I've seen the marks of what fire can do. Friend, I'm telling you this morning. 
But preacher, my flesh ain't going to be there. But your soul will be there. Everlasting fire. On fire for the rest of your life. Screaming at the top of your lungs. Saying, somebody put out the fire. Somebody help me break the chains. Take away the darkness. Give me some water. Oh, friend, could you hear them in hell this morning? Hollering. Oh, one more chance. Give me one more chance, God, to hear the gospel. Knock on my heart one more time as they're burning and on fire for the rest of their lives. Friend, I don't know about you. I'm glad I'm not going to Friend, could you hear them this morning underneath our feet? Burning for all eternity and the rest of their lives. Friend, listen, when you reach the pits of hell, it's too late. It's too late. Preacher, I've heard the gospel. Have you ever reacted to the gospel? You ever trusted Christ by faith? I'm telling you this morning, if you don't get saved, and you'll do like the rich man and wake up dead, you will wake up. And you'll be in hell. Number two, we've looked at everlasting punishments. Now let's look at the trueness of that everlasting punishment. Why is it true? Well, there are a lot of folks who hear about hell in our day. Joel Osteen's probably heard about it. But it's okay. No, it's not. Listen, they believe that hell is some kind of fairy tale. They believe that God did not ever send anybody to hell. But friend, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you must believe all of what He said. Listen, you can't believe one. You can't believe heaven and not believe in hell. That won't work. Amen. Friend, not only is there everlasting punishment, but that everlasting punishment of hell is true. How do you know that? Well, let's find out. We know that hell is real. And the hell's true because, first of all, the very Word of God tells you that it is. Friend, I'm telling you, your friends may lead you astray. Sometimes I might even lead our little girl astray, but the Word of God will not ever lead you astray. It's real. How do you know? Here in my hand this morning lies the most precious thing in our day and time that money could ever buy. Money can't buy much, but it can buy the Word of God. Hallelujah. Friend, if you're here and you're holding in your hand a King James Bible, hear me well. What you're holding in your hand this morning is you are holding the very precious, all-powerful, jaw-dropping, all-inspiring Word of God. Friend, on the other hand, now listen to me. If you had an NIV this morning, I would say that you don't have a copy of the Word of God. If you had an ESV this morning, I would say that you don't have a copy of the Bible. If you had anything else, if you had a new King James Version, I'd honestly say you do not have the Word of God. Why is that? Well, friend, I'm going to get there, but if you're holding in your hand a good old King James Bible, what you hold in your hand this morning is you are holding the precious copy of the infallible, the inerrant, the preserved Word of God. Friend, it came right from the very mouth of our God. Friend, there are a lot of people who tell you that only the originals of the Word of God are inspired. They think they're smart, and they'll come at you and they'll say, only the originals were that's what they'll say. Well, the problem with that is you find me in an original. 
You're not going to. Now this this is stuff I didn't mean to preach on the Bible, but I am a little bit. But what we have in our hands is that if you have a copy of the King James Bible, you are holding in your hands this morning the inspired, the eye-opening, the Word of God. Friend, not only is it the Word of God, but the book we've got in our hands this morning is the words of God passed down to us from God. This book that we have in our hands this morning, hey, there may not be any originals left in our day and time, but one thing I can tell you is we do have the Word of God. We've got it free up. Listen, our Bible's the only one been inspired. And our Bible's the only one been preserved for an English-speaking people. Friend, listen, the Bible said in 2 Peter 1 and 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Hallelujah. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost of God. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 3 and 16, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and in righteousness. The verse I quoted to you, we see the word inspired. Well, what does that mean this morning? The word inspired means the act of drawing air into the lungs. It means the act of breathing into anything. Our Bible said, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what that means this morning is that these holy men of God who pinned down our very Word of God, pinned down the Word of God just exactly the way that God wanted it as God breathed on them. The breath of God. In other words, when the King James Bible was written, holy men of God wrote as God moved their very hands. Hey, is it true? You better believe it's true. Friend, man didn't write this book. But God in heaven this morning is the one who wrote this book. He had control over the hands of those men as they pinned down for us the very words of our Lord that Christ wanted us to know. Hey, friend, and knowing this this morning as we think about our Bible, as we read our King James Bible, it's a comfort to my heart to know that man didn't write without God. But God wrote it. Hallelujah, friend. We ain't judging nobody. But friend, if God said it, God meant it, He pinned it down for a reason. Amen. Another great thing about our Bible is that not only do we know God pinned it down, but we know what we hold in our hand isn't a fairy tale. It's real, friend. How do we know that? God pinned down the Word of God, and it just so happens that our God in heaven can't lie. Well, if God wrote it, and God can't lie, it's true. Simple. The Bible said in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Listen to me. He's not lying when He told you about salvation. He's not lying when He told you about hell. He didn't lie when He wrote the Word of God. You know what you'll find if you try? I, I want you to go home. And I want you to take this place of King James Bible. And I want you to try to find a problem with it. I've been trying to find a scripture that don't mind. You know what you'll find? They all They all are right. Amen. Not one time in the Word of God does God contradict Himself. 
And He never will. Friend, we know that we have the very truths of life written down for us because we know the One who wrote it. We know that He's gone. We know He can't lie. But right here is the very truth written down for us as English-speaking people. Now, uh, we know this morning that the everlasting torments of hell are very true this morning because the Bible said so and because our Bible's also been preserved by God Himself. Listen, the Bible said in Psalm 12 and 6, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. That means the Word of God has been purified seven times. And it's come out the same as it is. That number seven in the Word of God is a number of perfection. Oh, can I just worship God for a minute? I'm glad that our God in heaven didn't give us some infallible, uh, some fairy tale written by man. Hey, this ain't about to, those fairy tales our little girl reads about Snow White and all that. We've got the truth written by God and it's been preserved. It's perfect. It's infallible. There's no error in it. It's the truth. Thank God. Friend, listen, it's been preserved a total of seven times. What we find written in the pages are the words of truth written by God. Now listen to this. In knowing all that, it's good to know if you're lost. Listen to me. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament in the Word of God. In those 260 chapters, get a hold of this. Hell and judgment are referred to or described 234 times out of 260 chapters. Friend, if God pinned down his perfect book, which he did, and friend, if God in every word that he said, don't you think that he, when he said, if you die lost, you'll go to hell. He meant it. 234 times God's warned the lost in the word of God. He speaks about hell. He speaks about judgment. And he's not condemning you there. He wants you to get out of there. That's what he wants. When he went to Calvary, he said, I'm making a way out so you don't have to go. He said, I'll go so you don't have to. And he said, I'll conquer it all down there. And he said, I'll conquer death and hell for you as well. And friend, that's exactly what he does. And 200 and, uh, 234 times, he has tried to warn you. That hell's real, but you don't have to go. Mm. We see the punishments that are everlasting. The trueness of that everlasting punishment. Number three, the trueness that cannot be argued. There's a lot of people who want to argue with God in our day. I'm telling you, you can't argue. Our God is just. You say, preacher, how is He just? He's a fact that I'll tell you how He's just. How he that he would send some folks to hell. I'll tell you how he does. He gives every man an opportunity to get out of hell. He gives every soul a chance to get out of hell. He died for He said, I want everybody to go to heaven. But God is just because he's not going to take a lost sinner. He's going to go to heaven for the safe sinner. Why? Caused by our first birth, we were born spiritually innocent. We were 
before you. My first birth were unrighteous. God cannot take an unrighteous person and allow them to go to hell. How do you get righteous? Through the blood. By grace. Through faith. Preacher, I can't see Preacher, I can't see him. He didn't say see simply. By grace, through faith. Faith. Trust in him. God's just. You cannot argue with something that is just and that is correct. You can try, but it won't work out real good for you. Lots of folks are out there this morning. They're saying, hell, is not true. They're saying, how could a God like that? I've seen all of them. How could a God like that send somebody to hell? Here's the thing. You send yourself by not believing him. By not trusting him. By faith. Friend, I ask you this. I'm not saying you hell's a real place. If you're here and you're lost without Christ, he's trying to warn you. He has tried to warn you. Friend, don't die lost and go to that place. I pay you this morning if you're lost. There's even an ounce of that. There's even an ounce of that. Get it, get it fixed up. Get it right. Brother Shane, you get us a song, every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm done.